0: Alberta's 31st election is officially underway as UCP leader Danielle Smith promised a flood of tax relief measures if re-elected, while Rachel Notley is promising that an NDP government would protect Albertans' pensions and end the healthcare crisis.
1: A federal NDP MP attempts to cancel a french british Columbian historical figure.
0: United Conservative Party leader Danielle Smith is declining to say whether she'll continue to pursue legal action against CBC News. A
1: Globe and Mail report claims China's intelligence service sought to target Conservative MP Michael Chong and his family, and that a Chinese diplomat who remains in Canada was
0: involved. Hello Canada, it's Tuesday, May 2nd, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Alberta Chief Electoral Officer Glenn Resler confirmed late Monday morning that writs were issued to administer Alberta's 31st provincial election. Later that morning, UCP leader Daniel Smith announced that her re-elected government would create a new 8% tax bracket on income under $60,000. Under the new policy, every Albertan earning $60,000 or more will save $760 annually, with savings of up to $1,500 per family. Albertans earning less than $60,000 will see a 20% reduction to their provincial tax bill under this cut. Smith said the announcement would cost the Treasury Board around $1 billion. Meanwhile, NDP leader Rachel Notley was in Calgary, promising to protect Albertans' pensions and end the health care crisis. Notley pledged to cover more medications for seniors and fund vaccinations if an NDP government is elected. Albertans will head to the polls on Monday, May 29th. Well, Lindsay, we finally kicked off the campaign here in Alberta. It's been a long time coming and certainly leaders have already begun sort of campaigning even before the campaign was officially underway yesterday. One of the things that we're noticing is in typical election campaign fashion, we're seeing a lot of party leaders make promises that are going to be very expensive for the government. Obviously Smith here is looking to cut taxes, but some people are saying the government should also focus on cutting government expenses. Doesn't seem like either Danielle Smith or Rachel Notley is interested in that. Smith was even asked about it at a press conference yesterday, and she said the government is responsible for investing in policies and programs that people are interested in. Do you think that the party leaders are guilty of looking to buy votes?
1: Well, it's tough because once governments have this precedent of giving away money, it's never going to stop. And then they'll have to keep one-upping one another. And, you know, these people are going to give more money than this party. And um, yeah, cutting expenses, I just can't see it being popular, even though it is necessary. Um, And from what I'm hearing, Notley and Smith are pretty neck and neck right now uh, in terms of popularity. Uh, But that's just what I've heard. Do you think that's that's true?
0: I think that we've seen the UCP pull ahead of the NDP in the last couple of polls. I've seen them a little bit ahead, up to five to seven points in Calgary, which is going to be the battleground for the upcoming provincial election. We spoke about this a little bit on the podcast yesterday, but one thing that Danielle Smith has promised, which is going to be very expensive from the government, she did not get a stamp of approval from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation on this, was the new Calgary arena deal. The saddle dome is very old and is not very big. And there has been discussion about rebuilding that arena for a very long time. So she announced a partnership with the city of Calgary and the Calgary flames owners to work on a new arena. The provincial government is going to be paying upwards of $300 million for that. Now, you know, there's some people who think the government shouldn't be spending money on that, but it's likely going to be a very popular proposal for people living in Calgary. And I think one of the things that we forget is most people aren't paying attention to the nitty-gritty so here we're looking at Rachel Notley keeps making these claims that Daniel Smith is attacking pensions you know there's a couple people who are paying attention to that but I don't think that's something that really resonates with voters similar to how the CBC story that we're going to be discussing today I don't know how much the average voter is paying attention to that type of thing I think that policies like the Calgary Arena really impact a lot more people. And so while the Premier might be guilty of spending quite a bit of money on this, I suspect it will be quite popular in Calgary where they have wanted a new arena for a long time.
1: During a recent appearance at a federal committee, British Columbia NDP MP Bonita Zarillo lobbed negative insinuations about local historical figure Father Edmund Millard in order to get him cancelled saying it would be unconscionable to include Millard's name in the title of a new electoral riding. Millardville, a historically French-Canadian neighborhood in Coquitlam, B.C., may be included as part of a new Burnaby-New Westminster Millardville riding that the Federal Electoral District's Commission is proposing. Millard was principal of the Sechelt, B.C. Residential School from 1930 to 1934 and principal of the St. Joseph's Mission School in northern B.C., for at least 14 years prior to that. He spent the rest of his life in France. Zerillo claimed, quote, Father Millard was an oblate. He is the founding father of Millardville. But to perpetuate this name and to elevate this name in a new riding in 2023, when he was also the principal of a residential school in northern BC, seems unconscionable at this point in time. However, Joanne Dumas, the executive and artistic director of the Société Francophone de Millardville, Disagrees with Zerillo's assessment of Millard. Dumas told True North, "I have never heard in 27 years of working in Millardville any comments to that. Also, I have met three of his former students from France who have said he was a kind and great teacher. So here we go again. Uh, You know, the the leftist parties in Canada and in BC and every province really are trying to cancel historical figures. um, You know, especially those with a religious background and." It's it's really for nothing because there are no there are no negative claims anywhere about this Father Millard, yet Zerillo is saying it would be unconscionable to use his name, and and you know as I mentioned before Millardville is kind of a unique French Canadian neighborhood in BC that it's you know BC there's not many French speakers so this is kind of a historical pocket where that heritage is, and you know. In this, you know, I wrote this piece about Father Millard. There are no, nothing negative has been said about him in the archival research I did. So this is really just based on, okay, he was principal of a residential school, and
0: I guess that's good enough to have him cancelled. Yeah, Lindsay, I increasingly have less and less patience with these types of stories. I think it's important that people who have the ability to think critically about issues really just put a stop to this type of nonsense and stop allowing it, stop permitting it. In this case, it's especially ridiculous considering that father Edmund Millard's name would be in the electoral riding because the town is named after him. So it's completely natural for an electoral district to be named after the area in which it is. That is of course the most basic thing. Then people know where it is. So now they want to sort of circumvent his name and come up with a new name for it. It's just the silliest thing. The town is named after him. There's no need to confuse people. It seems like people have so much extra time to find things to get upset about. Like, the fact that someone actually, like, took the time to complain about this is both hilarious and sad to me. I'm more at the point where we have to start finding these things funny. Otherwise, you'll just be so enraged all the time.
1: Yeah, and, and that executive director of the Francophone Society in Millardville, she said, you know, we are going to have no history for future generations if we just remove every name um, off of every building or city. And she also stated decisions should be based on facts. And at this point, there is no fact that suggests this father, Edmund Millard, did anything wrong.
0: United Conservative Party leader Danielle Smith is declining to say whether she'll continue to pursue legal action against CBC News. After she demanded the outlet retract a story about contact her office had with justice officials over Koots border blockade charges. Last month, Smith's legal team gave notice of the Premier's, quote, intention to bring an action against the CBC, end quote, under the Defamation Act, unless the publication retracted the news article in question by April 28th. With that deadline now passed and the news article still live, Smith is declining to say whether she will pursue the matter further, saying instead that her sole focus is the ongoing campaign against the Alberta NDP. Asked about the incident, Smith told reporters on Monday, quote, I think that Albertans are interested in what we're going to be campaigning on to move the province forward. And that's what I'll be focused on for the next four weeks, is making sure that people understand exactly what a UCP majority government will deliver. CBC head of public affairs Chuck Thompson said the publication has not received any further legal action from the premier since the initial letter on April 2nd. Lindsay, this was such a big story when it happened at the time of the province. I've since realized that no one actually was paying attention to it to begin with. I've asked a lot of people who don't follow politics closely and most of them hadn't even heard that this was going on. Do you think that this is the right move from Smith during the election campaign? If she had pursued that legal notice further, she would have had to follow up with it after April 28th. So it would have just been in a couple of days before the writ dropped. And now we would be an election campaign with that story dominating headlines. So do you think it was maybe a good move for the premier to put it aside for now. I think it
1: is a good move to put it aside. Um, it's going to be a pretty crazy and hectic month, um, seeing as the election is on May 29th. And if I recall correctly, when you launch a defamation suit, you kind of have a, a deadline where you have to announce that you may be taking action by then. And so she took that first step. But I think some people do that because then they can decide later whether they want to pursue the defamation suit. Uh, or not after that. So um, yeah, like the first step was taken, but at this point there might just be so many more important issues going on.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I'm genuinely curious to see what will happen here if the United Conservative Party form government again, if she's going to continue this lawsuit. I don't know which way it's going to swing. I don't know if this is something she's interested in pursuing or if it was more to prove a point that the CBC had gotten the story wrong, but maybe the party's maybe the party doesn't actually want to go through the legal work and everything that that would pull up. So I'm interested to see what will happen here.
1: Allegations of Chinese interference into Canada's election continue to deepen. On Monday, the Globe and Mail, citing top secret documents and an anonymous national security source, reported that China's intelligence service sought to target Conservative MP Michael Chong and his family and that a Chinese diplomat who remains in Canada was involved. Chong, a former cabinet minister in the previous Harper government, currently serves as the Tories' foreign affairs critic and has been steadfast in his opposition to the Chinese regime. In 2021, the Conservative MP voted in favor of a motion condemning China's treatment of the Uyghurs as a genocide. Afterwards, China sanctioned Chong, barring him from entering the country and prohibiting Chinese citizens from conducting business with him. Chong, who has family in Hong Kong, says CSIS never briefed him about any threats against him or his family. Chong said, quote, The Trudeau government continuing to accredit and allow a Chinese diplomat to remain in Canada to target my family abroad demonstrates a complete lack of leadership and common decency. Prime Minister Trudeau was asked about the report on Monday during question period and said, quote, This is absolutely unacceptable and it shouldn't have happened. While well, Rachel... The story of Chinese electoral interference in Canada continues. It seemed like it was on hold for a bit there, but now more is coming out here and it just gets worse and worse.
0: Yeah, this is really horrifying. I can't even begin to imagine how Michael Chong feels knowing that his family was being targeted and that they were unsafe and that he wasn't even informed about it. He released a pretty heavy statement yesterday and you can tell that he is extremely peeved as anyone would be. He says the prime minister was aware of the ongoing concern with his family in Hong Kong and made no effort to tell him. And I think we saw a lot of other MPs in the House of Commons very upset about this. They asked the Prime Minister about this during question period yesterday. And honestly, understandably so, because everybody is thinking, what if my family was targeted at some point or another? Why wouldn't the government have told me and made me aware of the concerns? At this point, I'm wondering, you know, what will it
1: take for us to really renegotiate our diplomatic relations with China? I mean, it just seems, it seems so rotten to the core that what they're doing in our country. And I, I know some people may say it's not realistic to to cut off a diplomatic relationship because China's much more powerful than us. Maybe they already kind of have a stranglehold on our country. But um, I would like to see firmer action into Canada and for Canada to say, you know, this can't happen here. Right now, it just kind of seems like, oh, yeah, China's doing this again. Uh-oh. This is bad. But what, what is it going to take for I, I mean, it's not going to come from Trudeau, but I, I would like to see some actual action here.
0: You're absolutely correct. We do not have a tough on China stance. We simply roll over to their meddling and interference in our country, which is supposed to be a sovereign nation and increasingly does not feel that way. It's absolutely absurd and sickening that the Chinese diplomat who was involved in these allegations here wasn't even asked to leave the country. Trudeau once again, just sort of rolled over and ignored that it was happening. So you're right. I don't think that this is gonna come from Trudeau. I think that we need a change in government if we want to see you know our stance on China change and to actually stand up to them for once and I don't think that standing up to China means that we need to end all our trade relationship with them nothing like that but this kind of behavior is unacceptable and it feels like Trudeau isn't even bothering to let them know that. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.